Well, now, as I'm sure you know, I have a kind of theme which is uh, running along these Sunday mornings, um, and that is the theme of the return. Now, of course, you freely see that in the back of my mind is the, the return of God's people to the building. And it's happening just as I envisaged it, more and more each week, coming back and expecting quite a big return in the autumn, and hopefully when the, all the lockdown restrictions are lifted, then we will be able to gather in the way we did a number of months ago before COVID-19. But the return is far more than a return to a geographical place or the opportunity to meet regularly, physically, in this space or any other space. There is a deeper return that God is working in our hearts. And this is, in many ways, a kind of a journey in which we are following God to the place of destination. And wherever we go on a journey, we need to be well prepared, well prepared. I kind of pride myself a little bit on being a good traveler. What that actually means is I take an extra suitcase or two and throw into that suitcase a whole range of extra things in case I need them. I often don't need everything, but it is nice not to miss anything. But there is a very particular way that we need to prepare for the journey that God has for us. But there is also a level of preparation which is totally outside our control. Uh, traveling and journeys, you know, things happen on the way that were not anticipated. But when God is traveling with you, and as we've just been singing, God is fighting for you, he will make sure that with every twist, turn, obstacle, distraction, any impediment on the road, that God is there for you to help you on your way on your journey. And more than that, God promises as you travel with him, as step by step, as the journey unfolds, you will discover new and wonderful things that God has prepared for you. That's one of the things I, I like about traveling. Now, uh, to be uh, fully frank about this, I do very little tourist travel, very, very little. If I'm somewhere, I'm usually focused on ministry or some task, um, and, and I really don't have the time to say, oh, let's take a couple of days traveling and having some, doing some sightseeing. However, on the regular course of the journey, I am often amazed at the sights that you see, uh, whether they're man-made sights. I just come to my mind as Rio de Janeiro, uh, you know, with the Christ Redemptor statue there, Sugarloaf Mountain, the bay, and it's all there. But, but you know, I've never, hardly ever gone just to see the sights. But 
the sights to be seen are sights to behold. And that's like a discovery, an amazing discovery uh, as we travel and journey with God. Miraculous provision on the way, joy, strength, supernatural power, transformation, everlasting joy, all as we journey back home. Now, that's where I think the destination is. Home for us is where Jesus is. And we are on, a, on our way home. This is, this is a journey home. And, and, you know, it's wonderful to know that we have a home. And the home is our final destination. And we are not alone either in the journey or when we get there. And uh, I believe, as we read in a moment, uh, Isaiah 35, it, it unfolds like a saga like a massive road trip movie uh, with, with so many dramatic scenes and twists and turns. It's, it's one of the great literary themes of literary history. When you have an epic, a drama, on some kind of journey towards a destination, which often is a moral and even a spiritual destination. So we have Tolkien's Lord of the Rings series, where there are so many journeys involved. And, and as you follow the, the, this journey, there's a saga as the heroes encounter danger and difficulty and surprising experiences on the way. And so I allow my imagination to just develop a little bit the theme here as we read in Isaiah 35, and I will share with you on our adventurous journey this morning. But let me tell you about the journey itself. I'm using a lot of exile passages, or at least passages which talk about the promises God gave the Jewish exiles in order to encourage them to return to the land. And I've always said, you know, in the same way, God is promising us great things as we return to this physical space. But it's more than a physical space, the exile, exiles who return. It is a new exodus, and that's exactly how it is described, coming out of a particular nation where they were in bondage, being liberated and freshly redeemed to come back to the place where God has for them his holy mountain, the place where he dwells and where they can be with God forever. That's the theme of the first exodus. If you have a look at the song of Moses in Exodus 17, after the deliverance from Egypt, this first exodus was a deliverance being redeemed out of the house of bondage, out of slavery, and being brought to God's holy mountain. That was that epic journey from Egypt all the way through to Zion. And now God says there's a second exodus coming. This time I'll make a way not in the waters. There is a new way. I will make a way where there was no way. I will make a way in the wilderness, but I will redeem you back to myself so that you can come once again to my holy mountain and I can presence myself with you forever. So I believe that is a kind of parable or an illustration of all our journey. Now, even today, if you do not yet know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you may well be on a quest 
who may well be on a journey in a search for the truth and to understand what it might mean to know God, what it might mean to have a relationship with God, or even if such a thing is possible in the first instance. And I share this with many of my friends, and I say, listen, I understand you're on a journey. We're all on a journey, and let's, let's travel together. Let's, let's be on this journey together. But there is no greater journey of discovery of what it means to be released from the bondage of your sin and walk with Jesus Christ and God's people right to the blessed end of enjoyment of eternal life with him forever and ever. And that's a quest which, if you are on, I encourage you today to pursue it. Now, how does this journey begin? I won't turn you to Isaiah 35 just yet because the voice that I'm talking about doesn't actually appear in Isaiah 35. It's implied there must have been a call before this journey began, but Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 gives us the record of the beginning of the journey which is a call, the voice, the voice. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It begins with a call, a voice cries. Uh, sometimes we read it as a voice crying in the wilderness. And that sometimes feels as if that's the case. But here it is, a voice crying, in the wilderness prepare, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord, a, a highway for God, for our God in the desert. But I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the call, first of all, not just the task, but the call. Every journey begins with a call. Everything that is of value in your life as a believer begins with a call. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ in which he will speak to us. And he will, I, 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 I present it as a call, I think it's the strongest word, a call that God will put into your spirit. Uh, and, and that might be a call to a conversation. It might be a call to a course of study. It might be a call to a fellowship, a call to a ministry, a call to a job. But God is calling all the time, and as we open our hearts, it, the journey begins with a call, but it begins where you are. One of the T-shirts that I brought back from America, uh, given to me by uh, uh, my, my friend Larry Crabb, as part of his um, uh, 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 Soul Talk course and Spiritual Director's course, is a red dot, and it says, every journey begins from where you are. And so in all our Soul Talk conversation, we say, where are you right now? And we, we talk about where we are, and then we, we, we move forward. So every journey begins where you are. Now, what's uncomfortable about that is sometimes we don't like where we are. We wish we were not where we are, but it is what it is, and we are where we are, and God will meet you where you are, even if it is a desert, even if you're in the deepest wilderness, even if you're in a dry place where nothing seems to be working out, 
God says, I'm calling you to come on a journey with me, and I'm going to come to where you are and take you on to where I want you to be. Now then, Isaiah 35, we start. Verses 1 and 2. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now then, let's the imagination kick in here. So we're beginning a journey in the wilderness, and we're walking, it's dry, it's hard going, it's hot, there's no water, no moisture, we're stumbling over rocks, and the rocks get bigger, and sometimes there's a little bit of a mound, a mountain, sometimes we go a couple of thousand meters high, and then suddenly we come to this peak, and everybody stands still, amazed at what they see, as they look out over the valley and on into the plain, the wilderness now is carpeted with a carpet of flowers of all different kinds and shapes, the most glorious display of color. The, the desert has blossomed like the, like the rose. The glory of Sharon, the rose of Sharon, all the lush lushness of Lebanon has suddenly arrived right there in the wilderness. And this tells me that God can transform your experience at any moment and he can completely reverse it so that what once was dry and without any kind of vegetation or any kind of color can be turned around immediately and it could be tomorrow when you climb over that little hill and look out on your future, you discover that God has been busy even when you had no idea he was working. God is always working. Even in the wilderness, he is working. How can God be working in the wilderness? So let me tell you about the desert. The desert is not devoid of life. I'm not talking about jackals and other, other desert creatures and scorpions. I'm talking about what is happening under the sand. Hesitate to say soil, but the sand. In the sand, just, just buried in the sand, there are thousands and thousands of seeds, all dry, not active, just waiting. Waiting for something to happen. Waiting for there to be just a tiny, tiny, bit of moisture, maybe some gentle rain, some heavy dew, or something by way of season that brings water subterraneally from a nearby lake or river and penetrate the dryness of the wilderness. And suddenly, when those seeds, dry seeds, come into contact with moisture, those dry seeds germinate and flourish and flower very quickly. In the desert, it can appear and it can happen overnight. 
It can appear to be overnight. So I want to tell you, God can suddenly, very suddenly, change your circumstances, change something that you thought would never happen. It can happen because we serve a glorious, amazing, wonderful God. Oh, yes, it can. Yes, it can. And don't despise the time in the wilderness. Don't despise the time in lockdown. Don't despise the time when you're struggling because God is getting those seeds ready, positioned under the soil of your life so that when he adds even a smidgen of his Holy Spirit, you will see the fruit of what God did for you when you were going through a tough time. Amen and amen. So let's go on. We go now to Isaiah uh, 35. Verses 3 and 4. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. What's amazing here is that we really don't like to talk about God's vengeance or recompense. Um, and, 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 and we kind of think, you know, it's an unpleasant topic. But remember this. God's judgment and redemption go hand in hand. God will judge in order to redeem. Did you know that? What happened in the first exodus? Egypt had closed its heart, especially in the person of Pharaoh, to the wish and the will of God. And so God both judged Egypt, and especially, if you read the text, judged the gods of Egypt, And that's the real battle. The real battle is always spiritual. God will judge the spiritual powers, the spiritual forces. He'll judge the gods of Egypt and the gods of our generation. He will judge these things, and in judging them, he will bring redemption to his people. So it's judgment upon Egypt, but salvation upon the people of God. And here the Bible says there is a time coming when God himself will come. He will come to act on behalf of those who wait for him. He will come to act on behalf of those who suffer for him. He will come to act for those who have been persecuted and despitefully used or have been pushed to the margins of their job or their society or been rejected by family or in some way even, even, pushed aside by people who should know better. God says, I am going to come and I'm going to save you. I'm going to vindicate you. I'm going to lift you up where others have pushed you down. I'm going to mold you afresh where others have crushed you. When people have sought to destroy you and to turn others against you, God will even make your enemies your friends and bow down to you because you have been faithful and you say, God, I have not given up. Now, it's easy to say. When he says strengthen the weak hands, it means what? There were some weak hands. 
Make firm the feeble knees. There were some people who were whose ha- hands were feeling weak, whose knees were feeling weak. Say to those with an anxious heart, there were people who have anxious hearts. So weak, feeble, anxious people. And we can be like that. Yeah, acknowledge it. If you're going through anything like this, don't pretend it's not happening, but hear the word of the Lord. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, the Lord your God will come. This is not the end of the movie. It's not even the end of the first act. What you see now is not the final story. God is going to come. God is going to act. God is going to strengthen you. God is going to bring you through. Sometimes journeys can be very, very long and wearisome. But we know that when that prophetic word comes, the good news of God's deliverance, giving us strength, knowing that God has not forgotten us, or as we we were just singing, God is fighting for us. Amen and amen. Now, after this remarkable prophetic word when God encourages them on the way, they've just seen, look at all this amazing carpet of flowers, the whole of the desert's been transformed, there is hope, be encouraged, be strong, I'm going to come. Then something happens. And this is now uh, an outbreak, a glorious outbreak of the supernatural, miraculous power of God. And just when we need it the most, God sends it. I mean, miracles have always been a way of God making himself known. One of the ways that God demonstrates who he is is through miracles. There comes a prophetic word and a miracle to confirm it. And the prophetic word of God's presence now is being confirmed by the most wonderful, wonderful miracles. Isaiah 35, 5 to 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Now, these are miraculous signs. I mean, they are miracles of mercy and compassion. A God would touch people physically. Also, it extends spiritually. God wants to open the spiritual eyes of the spiritual blind so that we can see him. But also, his signs and wonders attach to the physical realm and demonstrate in the physical realm what's happening in the spiritual realm. And I I know this from this passage in my experience. Many years ago, when we was the first trip to Kenya, my birthplace first, 1987, led a small team uh, way back then. And this was the prayer meeting that we were praying this prayer line. And we were asking God to open the eyes of the spiritually blind, want people to come to Christ. And then halfway through the prayer meeting, the atmosphere changed and it shifted into the realization that God was not just wanting to open spiritually blind eyes, but he was going to open the physical eyes of the physically blind. He was going to do remarkable healings and miracles. And so we interceded in that way. And when we arrived in Kenya, it's a long story. If you want to read more about it, you can read it in my book, 
healing anointing, oh, I'm sorry, or, or, uh, the, the God who heals you anyway, it's, it's the big healing book there. We put it in a second edition uh, with a slight name change. But anyway, it t- tells you the whole story. And so I know that this is more than just spiritual talk or spiritualized talk. It's, it's actually real. And also I know that because it was these kind of scriptures that caused people to understand that Jesus was the Christ. Why? Because he was doing these things. He was opening the eyes of the blind, unstopping deaf ears, exactly as Isaiah prophesied. So this is about physical healing, but not just about healing. Robert's Lennon will share more about this tonight, but it's about every kind of miracle that God has for you in this season. He doesn't want you to miss out on it. So let's keep traveling, go with the program, and rejoice with the miraculous manifestation. Then our travelers go a bit further, and this time, if they were blown away before, they're doubly deluxe blown away at what they see. Something has happened now. It's not just that the desert is carpeted with a bed of Sharon roses or the, or the crispy glory of Carmel or the lush Lebanon. Something has happened. It's not just a layer upon a desert. The whole wilderness has transformed. There's been a total transformation of the environment. It is no longer a desert. Not even a desert with some rivers. Not even a desert with some flowers. It is no longer a desert at all. God has totally transformed the situation. That's what God's going to do for you. Let's read Isaiah 35, 6b to 7. Four waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. <laughs> where, where waters have broken forth, in the wilderness streams, in the desert, to the point that the burning sand has now become a bubbling pool, and the thirsty ground has now become springs of waters, you can't call it a desert anymore. And even the desert animals can't live there because they have lost their habitat. This is now no longer a desert. This is a place of blessing. This is the full streams. And when we come here, we recognize exactly what the source is. What is the source? What is the source? The source is the Holy Spirit. For when the Holy Spirit fills your life, he will transform Not just the desert, but every nook and cranny, every dusty piece of your life will be transformed with the cool, refreshing, cleansing streams of the living waters of the Holy Spirit. And what we are called upon to do in New Testament language is to come to the waters and to drink and drink and drink afresh so that our lives are transformed. The more you drink of the Holy Spirit, the more you rest under the Holy Spirit, the more you are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, worship in spirit and truth, listen to the Holy Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Holy Spirit. The more spirit-filled you become, the less desert you will ever experience. You could be in the driest place on earth, but you'll never be thirsty because the Spirit of God will give you something to drink every single time. Amen and amen. This is the, uh, yes, give him a praise.
This is the abundant, abundant supply of the Spirit. Now, in our unfolding drama, having come past through this time of the most amazing, cool, refreshing, they hit upon an extraordinary sight. Something would never have expected. Don't forget, now they may not be in a desert in terms of dryness, but they are in a desert in terms of isolation. There's no habitations, there's no houses, there's no shops. There's no Westfield. But as they go along, they come across a gigantic highway right there in the wilderness. A gigantic highway, beautifully constructed, so pristine, so pure, so amazingly constructed, glimmery, shiny. As they step on it, they know that they are on sacred ground. That this is no place for those who play fast and loose with the word of God, but those who have consecrated their lives wholly unto Jesus, who've surrendered unto Christ, who have one desire, and that is to walk in the holiness of the Lord. And this highway is called a highway of holiness, and a still holy hush descends upon them as they now make their way along the road, slowly, full of joy and sensing God's presence everywhere. And then behind them, far behind them, they hear a sound. At first, they don't recognize it. Then they said, stop, what is that? Can you hear it? And they listen, and they hear a sound of people far away. And they get closer and closer. And it is like a huge parade. And the whole of the highway behind them becomes filled with multitudes of multitudes of redeemed people from every tribe, every language, every nation under heaven, joining, dancing, celebrating, singing. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And they catch up with our travelers, and we join them and continue. And as we go, more and more people join us on this highway of holiness, and we carry on until we get to the very end. Amen and amen. Isaiah 35, verses 8 and 9, And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they will not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up unto it. No demons there, my friend, and they shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Verse 10, and the ransomed of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. That's the call of God. Return. Return to me, says the Lord. I have things for you in this season that you cannot yet imagine, but trust me, it's going to be glorious. Amen and amen. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, sorrow 
and sighing shall flee away. Do you know what? I reckon we're going to get four tastes of this. But this agenda is so far-reaching that this is the same agenda that we will follow right until the return of Jesus Christ. This is God's direction. This is where we are. And I believe that in the next little while, little while, when lockdown is released, we let God do his perfect work, and we gather back to this building, we'll discover that it was not just a return to a building, uh, or even a return to business as usual, that it's going to be a return in this sense that we've been talking about, where we carry on upward into glorious aspects of life and fellowship and ministry and joy and blessing and miraculous and effective ministry. And it all be because of the fullness of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do what God has called us to do. Amen and amen. Amen.